It's party time. Jason McCoy alongside my co-host. Nelson Boyer. We are the cast to put him on the couch. And today we come to you from the poor tap room in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, cheers. We're for a very special, but I would say somber occasion, Nelson, but I don't think it's going to be somber. What do you think? No, not somber. Not somber, not with what we're doing, not with who we're celebrating. No, you got a playlist that's going to keep us live and active and well. We got a little Josie in the background. I wasn't prepared, Nelson, for the music that was going to be playing in this place. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? It uh, adapt and move on. Doesn't right? really set the mood. Bob gave me a playlist to those of you listening. Um, he asked that I play mostly AC/DC and any other '80s hair band as sort of a special send-off. I am a product of the '90s, but they. An avid supporter today of 80s hairband music. Very nice. The power ballad. Speaking of power ballads, we've got the cowardly lion in the house. Mr. Ben Sorensen. Mr. Vinyl himself. That's right. In more ways than one. Welcome back. We also have one of Bob's longtime friends and I believe even office mate. That's right. Catering Community College's own. You were, in, you were in his office. Oh, my God. We'll let some of these guests speak in just a little bit. I don't want to make anyone feel any social pressure to come down here. But, again, we're at the poorhouse in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, celebrating what should have been Bob's six-year post-surgery. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Wow. It was uh, December 31st, 2017. That was when uh, he got his double lung transplant. And he was back at work on August 20th, uh, 2018. Absolutely. They, they told him it would take 18 months to get back to work. He and it took him about eight. 18 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by comparison, I think I uh, had an ingrown toenail one time that kept me out of work for about a week. Good for you. Yeah. Was, hey, you gotta, Can't do that anymore. You got to nurse that. You know what I mean? That's not, that is a. I don't think you can miss more than three days in a row anymore. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, uh, I will definitely uh, get started. I wanted to. Uh, tell a few stories uh, about Bob or let everybody tell a story. And um, you know, Bob's life um, really, it went deep with me. Um, he was a really a, a big mentor. And um, just a small, funny, in, in just a small, funny way the other day, you know, I carry my big stick. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I always carry a big ruler. My students, uh, if they listen to this, will know. My colleagues will know I carry a big ruler. So. The other day, I'm walking past my classroom, I'm walking past some offices, and somebody says to me, why are you carrying, why do you always carry that? And I'll be honest, I almost burst into tears. I hadn't even thought in years about why I carry a big, a stick. big stick. Well, being a presidential uh, aficionado, I figured it was some it was kind not. of homage it, to it was Roosevelt not. It or something was, like that. It was an homage in a way to, to Bob. You know, I, when I started teaching here at Cape Fear, uh, Robert Puckett, my uh, my first department chair, told me to go and sit in on people's classes. And he said, you know, Bob was a good teacher. Um, you know, Suzanne Smith, go, go, like, sit in on these people's classes and learn something you've never taught before. You don't know really how it's done. You know the information, but you don't know how to present it. So I'm like, all right. So I went there, did that. And uh, 
Bob had, he was sitting down, um, and, you know, I didn't even know he had, like, 22% lung capacity. So he was sitting down. He didn't, he didn't always, he didn't always walk and, and command the room the same way I command the room. He was, he was sitting. And he had a big stick, and he had a big, like, a foot-long ruler, and he was pointing at different things, and he was using it. He was twirling it around. And I said, why do you always do that? Why do you? He said, you know, it started because a lot of times I'd be sitting and then it just became a habit. And he said to me, you know, one piece of advice I would give you is always carry that with you. People will wonder what the hell you're doing and if that's somebody they want to mess with. And so I just started teaching with it. And I guess I'm saying all that to say that, you know, Bob uh, will always be such a big part of me. He'll be such a, like, even little things that I'm like, oh, I, Bob is such a big part of who I am as an instructor. And the love that his students had for him is the same love that I hope to inspire. Um, even those little, you know, one time we, he came to my office, he sat on the couch, we started comparing notes about our sticks. <laughs> we start, we, we, oh, who's got a better ruler? And we were, we, we would leave them behind for each other. We'd find them for each other. Um, so it just became a little thing. It's little things like that that really, uh, they get at me. There are things like that that I think about every day. Uh, it's been a weird couple of days since I've been yeah. back. And, uh, so I have to ask. It's just sad. Do you know who has Bob's stick? I do not, but I know a good place to look would be, uh, I know one of the classrooms that we might want to look in. In fact, maybe I'll go over there right now to see if I can find it. We can, we can have it with us. Well, you know, the executor of Bob's it. estate, at least current executor to his estate, is uh, Michelle Missy Mathis. She came in yesterday and uh, picked up a couple of boxes of Bob's belongings. And I'm pretty sure that she left the stick behind. I have it on good authority that she did not take the stick. So uh, I'm saying to you on the air right now, Nelson, and I'm pretty sure Randall, Bob's brother, would agree that nobody deserves that stick more than you do. So <laughs> if, uh, we, if we do manage to find that stick, I, I, that's really nice, I think uh, we'll have to pass that on to you. I, I, I think if you've managed to find it, I think uh, it'd be nice, but I think his brother deserves it first. Um, I'm not so sure Randall will, will need it, but well, we can certainly um, put that out and ask him if he wants it, but I don't know that he would need a, a broken yardstick. I'm it, sure it's all scratched up on the end. It's not standardized anymore. I love that yardstick. But Bob really didn't care about standards or perfection or, I mean, he wasn't obsessive in that way, obviously. He continued until his death to claim that he was five foot nine. And I'm pretty certain he was 5'7", maybe 5'8". So here's a guy who had a strange way of measuring things anyway. <laughs> maybe that's why I needed the stick. <laughs> yeah. Just figure maybe out how he, tall he was. Well, and if you think about it, if you shave off a couple of centimeters, maybe an inch off of that stick after carrying it and around then you're, with yeah, you. Yeah, it's a yardstick. And then yeah, you put it up against yourself, you're close to six feet. That's right. Twice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody would even notice. A little bit on each end, you know what I mean? You, you bump up. That's right. Because he never felt that much taller than me, and I'm 5'6". Mm. You know, but I don't know. I don't know. What about you? Do you have a fun story? I'm sure you got a million. You guys knew each other longer than. Did you know each other long? Did you know him longer than any other person at Cape Fear? Yes. I met Bob um, first day of Cape Fear Community College. Actually, the only person still at Cape Fear Community College that I met before Bob would be Ronnie Kirkland. If you're listening, Ronnie, I'm wondering where you are and whether or not you're going to get in that little. Uh, Car yours and scoot well, down here. Listen, I know you're not taking any right-hand turns, but you don't have to. It's a left-hand turn if you come straight up uh, Front Street. But Ronnie Kirkland is the first person I met in the hallway after my interview. And, um, and yes, the people that were on my interview committee 
are no longer there. Um, and then, of course, the president who hired me is no longer there. But, but Ronnie met me in the hallway. And uh, then I think it was probably two or three hours later after I finished my first couple of classes, Bob was standing out in front of the A building talking shop with a couple of students. And I'm um, like, who's this guy? Looking like he's straight out of the 70s with the long hair and the, the kind of <laughs> acid wash, stone wash jeans. He came up to me and he's like, what's up? You in social sciences? I said, yeah, I teach psychology. He goes, yeah, you're new. He goes, uh, we're going to have a drink uh, tomorrow night after class down at Firebellies. You coming? I was like, yeah, of course I'm coming. I had no idea who he was. had no idea what Firebellies was, but, you know, I, I, was, trying to be, I was trying to be a good colleague right away. And, uh, yeah, we hit it off right away. Uh, I realized that he was not the strange hippie stuck in the 70s that I thought he was. This guy was uh, a maestro when it came to teaching. Yeah. And I have to say, as narcissistic and as self-assured uh, as I am, I learned a lot from him, and uh, I'll forever be indebted to him. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I have it on good authority that uh, there was a, quite a crew, quite a crew in the 90s and early 2000s at, at our beloved institution uh, with, with a hell of a group. Some have moved on, and uh, some are still here. Some are probably in jail. You, some are probably uh, <laughs> passed on to the other realm. No, and, and everybody deserves I don't know about the 90s. I think the 90s was full of uh, people who are now in jail. Okay. Uh, anybody can do a Google search and find that out. Those were above my pay grade. But 2000, when I got there, <clears throat> yeah, there, was, there, there was quite a crew. I think we were one of the largest uh, freshman class. I think we had 55, maybe 60. There's been another class or two since. 55 new hires? New hires, wow. yeah. Two, two wow. in psychology at the time, and yeah, I, uh, we started, we, we hit it off, you know, swell right from the beginning. The department was um, quite a community. I'm not sure that we intended to be the community, the tight-knit group that we became, but we we're a band of brothers and sisters for sure. We, we went downtown to Front Street Brewery, pretty much the only brewery in town at the time, uh, and did happy hour most every Friday after all classes were out. We'd go down, and the um, the manager of Front Street Brewery would give us half-price appetizers, and yeah, about five to ten of us every Friday would go down from about four to six, and then a couple of us sounds like fun. A couple of us we weren't ready to, to sort of call it a night at six, so we would pop across the street to Charlie Brown's. Now, um, I think uh, Untapped. I think it's the administrative arm of the app Untapped that traps tracks like beers and your your beer drinking it's it's a silly little app but anyway used to be a bar called charlie brown's and they had kick-ass music um and some ntn trivia and bob myself and several others phil mccaskey you may remember also taught history for a while oh yeah he and uh, we all we all um doctor of vexology had, or yeah, something. yeah yeah vexicology we, vexicology mm. study of maps flags flags, flags. flags. <laughs> no but we all we all had this friendly kind of competition with one another um, with this trivia, with this trivia game. And what Charlie Browns was, would do is the winner between, say, 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock every day, uh, they called that happy hour, uh, would get whatever they were drinking for free up to like $5. So Bob and I would always get like a 40-ounce mug. I would have Newcastle. He'd have Killian's, the red. Oh, yeah. And uh, we would uh, get a free one if we won. And sometimes Bob would win two, three, four in a row, to my chagrin. He'd win multiple in a row, but he couldn't drink the beer that fast, so he'd have to, he'd have to give it to me. <laughs> uh, so even when I lost, I won. Yeah, that's and, fun. Um, 
And unfortunately, um, we've lost a good friend, colleague, and just a sarcastic asshole. And I miss you, Bob. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't feel like I've won. Yeah. I don't feel like I've won. Listen, I got to play this song uh, for Bob. Love you, Bob. Miss you. back ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in to this very special poor tap house event downtown wilmington north carolina celebrating what would have been bob's sixth year post-surgery 
we did a get together about six years ago to the day almost, Nelson, myself, and many of Bob's friends, colleagues, acquaintances, students, neighbors, when we were working day and night trying to crowdsource enough money to get Bob his double lung transplant. Unfortunately, he didn't make it, ladies and gentlemen, but we're here to celebrate the man, the legend, sarcastic cat with nine lives. And first up, we've got one of Bob's former and favorite office mates of all time, <laughs> Miss Natasha. Snyder. Snyder now. I didn't want to get your last name wrong. Well, I didn't start as Bob's favorite roommate. No. I met Bob when I first started in 2010, and he was very quick to tell me that he was unhappy. Oh, my. He was very unhappy that Rachel Satzman was no longer his office mate and disappointed that they had put someone in with him, which was me. Well, in fairness, I know a thing or two about Bob's former office mates. Um, I know that Bob had several in history, several in sociology, and yes, one anthropology. And I believe at least one in sociology may have left a bad taste in his mouth. For reasons that you can already imagine, this guy was quite conservative ideologically and was convinced that history, political science, and yes, sociology was best taught from a staunchly conservative viewpoint. And he was always arguing with Bob about how only the liberal elites were teaching and writing the textbooks. And if only he had his choice of textbooks, he could do so much for our students. And Bob and he went back and forth. So in fairness to you, Natasha, being uh, a sociology instructor, Bob prejudged you. That's what he did. I can honestly say um, he absolutely adored you as well as Rachel. And um, I know he thought a lot about you and respected you, Natasha. We came to be very close friends, but my first week at Cape Fear, three different social science instructors warned me. Yeah. Warned me about Bob. Yeah. And when I met him, he made an agreement with me. He called me Rainbow and Sunshine. Oh, my goodness. And he wanted to see who influenced the other in that first semester. He was a realist. He was sarcastic and stubborn. For sure. And so um, a few weeks into my tenure, Robert Puckett called me into the office just to check. Yeah, this was the department chair at the time, right? Yes, he was my first department chair. And I was thinking perhaps being, you know, housed with Bob was hazing. Yeah. As a new employee to test me out to see if I had the endurance to make it at Cape Fear Community College. Yeah. And I told Mr. Puckett that I was just fine. And that first semester, by the time we got to the end of it, um, I think Bob and I really connected. We influenced each other. He was certainly not rainbow and sunshines no. by the time we reached Christmas break. But um, we really connected, and I started teasing him that even though on his exterior he was very hard, he was gooey 
on the inside. Aww. He did not love when I called him gooey no. on the inside. Sure. I did bring a microwave to the office. I think that was a really nice um, way to schmooze myself in. Yeah. And we shared an office for several years. And when it came time that a free office came available, that I had worked my <laughs> way up and been there long enough, that there was now an office that I could have on my own, yeah. Bob was making all kinds of, you know, kind of proposals for me to remain with him. <laughs> and I knew at that point that I had won him over that from the beginning when he was very upset that he had to share the office with me to when he was quite saddened by the thought of me moving out of our shared space that um, we would forever be close friends. Aww. And I do not believe he ever shared his office with anyone else after me. You know, that's probably true. He said he wouldn't. And I think he was true to his word. In fact, I think he even moved offices uh, relatively late in his tenure there. Uh, and I, uh, I say an hour. It feels like an hour. Maybe a year before um, he passed on, he had moved offices into a tiny little box of an office. And he packed as many things in it as he could, including like two couches. You couldn't even move around in there. And uh, yeah, I knew what he was doing. He was trying to insulate himself from any chance that he would have an office mate. But, I mean, once you've had the best, I mean, where can you go from there, right, Natasha? Bob was a magnificent storyteller. We used to do kind of peer evaluations where yeah, we sure. would visit each other's classrooms, and I went to one of Bob's. And in high school and in college, history was never a subject that I really enjoyed. Right. But when I was in Bob's class, he was an exquisite storyteller. Yes. And he brought in details and you know it was interesting and it kind of kept you on edge that I remained the entire class which was kind of unusual for some of those peer evaluations. Absolutely. Sociology and, and psychology people don't typically like history enough to stay in somebody else's class we're not paying for. And um, he just really was caring to his students. He was passionate about his content. He was hardworking both in his career, but then for himself. You know, he yeah. did not start life with any advantages. No. And although I was so saddened that his reality of moving to Ireland did not come to him, yeah. when I reflect on what he accomplished when there were so many things up against him from his health, you know, he, he worked hard on um, what Nelson had written and shared with all of us about Bob's life was so true in that he worked hard to protect his health. He was religious with going to the gym, um, loved his dogs. One time we went to um, the Wilmington Pool when they would, at the end of the season, open it up for dogs. Okay. And my sister and I brought her golden retriever, and um, Bob brought Ace. Mm. And Caesar was at home, yeah. um, but he brought Ace. And this was Bob's second German Shepherd, right, out yeah. of three or four. Yes, Caesar uh, right was. Behind, Caesar was still alive at the time. Mm -hmm. This was Bob's heart. Yes. Of course, anyone who knows Bob knows that he's got all three of them or he had all three of them tattooed on his body, right? The Paul Prince. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have two sons, mm. and 
always Bob would compare my relationship with my sons to his relationship with his German shepherds. Yeah. And he sincerely felt that kind the of love. love. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So we spent the day at um, the pool with the dogs playing in the pool. And it was just, you know, he just loved life. He loved to travel. He went so many places. And so when I was reflecting on what I would share or what I would say, you know, initially I felt so sad that everything he had dreamed about didn't come true, but he has outlived people who have lived many more years. Yeah. And, and I know everything that he did, he did with a passion and because that was something that he enjoyed and wanted yeah. to do. And a purpose. You're right. And I mean, that's Bob in a nutshell, Mr. Stubborn, Mr. Passionate. But gooey I, on the inside. Gooey on the inside. Natasha, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. So I'm going to take a little break from things and play a couple of more songs for Bob, and then we'll have another guest hopefully to come and share some stories.
back, back, back. Poorhouse, Wilmington, North Carolina. They, Come on down. So many of the Come places out. That you have guys a drink were, on us. Pour one out for Bob. So many of the places that you guys were talking about, I have no idea where. I, well, of course like not, Charlie man. Browns? Things change. Yeah. Charlie Brown's. The, Things change. The, Things um, change. What do we have? The uh, Rhino Club. I never talked about that one. I didn't talk about that one on the air. Well, then, I, course, I do remember the, the Fire Bellies. Fire Bellies, but that's right. gone. Yeah, that's gone. That used to be like above a parking deck, and the parking deck's not here. <laughs> Things change, man. Amen to Things that. Things change. Amen to that. Like, I'm looking at this picture of Bob right here. I can't believe he was that ripped. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, took, his, um, he took his bodybuilding very seriously. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. It's funny, he broke his, uh, broke his arm. You know, speaking of uh, taking things seriously, Bob was married once. He used to take life a little more seriously. And um, his wife threw a 40th birthday party for him. Okay. Went to his house. And I was the only guy there. There were about 10 or 15 females, which, okay. true to form, Bob wouldn't have it any other way. And the first song that came on was um, the song about You're So Vain. Oh, my God. And the women were all, like, dancing around him. After which, he went and got a, like, a photo album and started. Of him? Yeah, of himself. Gross. And he started touring <laughs> his life, right? And the very first photo I saw was of him tanned and all muscular and glistening on a stage wearing the little bikini bottoms with the banana hammock. Well, if I may, he and probably thought that song was about him. Here's the thing. <laughs> I said, who is that guy? He goes, that's me. This was before Photoshop. So it was clear that it was him, and he had been in a bodybuilding competition. That's hot. I don't know if you know that That's or not. hot. I did not, but he I'm didn't not win. I'm not surprised. But he was in a bodybuilding competition. When my wife and I were talking about Bob uh, just the day he passed, uh, she said, man, he was. She said, He's in good shape. He, well, we had a picture pop up uh, in our memories, or he, he was at yeah. the house for a party or something. She said, man, he was like really in good shape. I'm like, yeah, he was. That's why I, I, that's probably why I never knew he was sick until yeah. he let it be known because sure. he, he took great care of himself. Yeah, he took very good care of himself. I wish he had taken a little bit better care of himself and retired just slightly early. I so he could have got on that plane, got to um, Ireland, and I could have gone on vacation there with him this summer. Do you think if somebody had asked them, you can, you know, gave him a choice, you can go to Ireland? Oh, they did. For, for I mean, six months. We've, we've been talking to him about retirement for years, right? But if, but if somebody had given him that choice, I think he'd. No, he still would have continued putting it off, putting it off. No, he was exactly where he wanted to be. I think he wanted to be at work. Exactly where he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I hope people remember that. He, he, was, a, he was a worker. Yeah, so. no, he, he definitely was where he wanted to be. He was doing exactly what he wanted to do. And, um, I don't think he'd have any regrets. I don't think he'd apologize uh, oh God, about no. how he lived his okay. life. I think the only regret he would, he would never have apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only regret he'd have was, you know, maybe passing away in that freaking hospital. Yeah. I think that that uh, hurt would have hurt him the most. It certainly hurt me knowing that, I think that's what hurt me too. that he was in that hospital and I was too. I was halfway across the country for Christmas, but No. Yeah. Uh, I know. I don't he will, you know, he never would have done that. No. If he had expected, he no, I don't think he expected. It. I don't think anybody expected it. No, I, I know. Um, to, right to the end, he was mm. thinking about work. Yeah, <laughs> he was thinking about work, not just work, but again, like for some people, work is work. Well, you know, and I'm not guessing about you know what people feel about their jobs. But like, I, I don't know if 
a, a janitor is passionate and, yeah. and, and loves, and you know, I mean, maybe they are, but for somebody like Bob, work was not work. It was fun. You talked about the vacations he took. Yeah. He took work working vacations, vacations, right? No, he but he, he not lived really his, because what he was his work was his love. No, he was passionate about his work, obviously, so much so that he. When he went on vacation, he thought about where are these destinations I go and learn more and well, dive deeper into history. I, I think that was what was really cool about um, some of the things that I've heard from his students, some of the things that his students have said about him, was that they were inspired. Yeah. Um, and if you can inspire one person, wow. If you can inspire 15 people in one class, yeah. wow. If you can inspire, you know, 100 people a year, wow. Yeah. I, I don't think I've inspired 100 people in my lifetime. No, so. well, he's definitely inspired quite a few uh, staff, faculty, and, and also got, students. We've got one uh, sitting up here at the bar having a drink. I'm going to have her over here in a few minutes. I don't want got, to. Uh, we got a colleague got here. Got a colleague here. Uh, the Cowardly Lion yeah. has come. I'm going to step away and uh, take a phone call. If somebody wants to take my spot. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, Nelson, let's... Let's show Jason how it's done. I should mention at this point that uh, Jason is the interviewer, usually. He is the, uh, the focal point, the head on the swivel. And uh, this is my first interview, so wish me luck. And by the way, uh, I'm putting on Jason's headphones. Those, that's a big head. That's a legit-sized head. I can barely fit into this thing. Or it can barely fit on me. What's up, buddy? What's up, what's up? And who do we have? I'm Ben Sorensen. How are you? I'm pretty good. Ben Sorensen was a colleague of Bob Brennan's for eight years? Ten. Nine years? Ten years? Ten, ten years? Yeah. Wow, because you were, you were part-time downtown, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what what uh, is there a story or a memory of Bob you would uh, you'd like to share? You mean ones that are appropriate for the air? No, I'm kidding. Do we have an okay. air? Yeah, I, I mean I, that's true. Uh, uh, no, ones that ones that. <laughs> all right, let me let me couch this. Ones that Bob would deem appropriate. That gives you a pretty. Uh, it's, it, that's a good narrow lane, right? I mean. Right, right. You right. wouldn't think a story would be appropriate, but Bob would. I know, right? It's, it's, so go ahead, give that's a, like give saying a, you've got the entire 110 give a, in Cali. Give a Bob you know? story. Give me a Bob story. Oh, my God. So whenever I first met him, uh, he took me around and, and showed me the ropes at, at Cape Fear. Okay. Um, you know, like telling me the ins and outs of an administration here, uh, you know, with all the glory that that entailed. Um, he also uh, would sit in my classes and uh, give me pointers. Okay. So he always called me his prodigy. It was kind of funny. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Because yeah. you guys have the same long locks. I guess that's <laughs> what it is. But he cut his by the end. Was, he cut his? Yeah. Yeah, my oh, hair oh. ended up being longer than his. Hold on. Uh, we have the uh, the expert, uh, the Jason McCoy coming back. And it's Jason McCoy. Oh. Maybe we don't. All right, so go ahead, continue, please. Oh, um, so yeah, I mean, he. Got it. Uh, little ACDC in the background for our boy Bob Brennan. All right, so go ahead. That's Aerosmith. Okay, it's Aerosmith. Yeah, it's Aerosmith. 
Well, so, I mean, you know, he called me his prodigy all the time. He would always tell his students, you know, and he's like, I'm the best history teacher here, but if you have to take it with somebody else, take it with him. And he'd point at me. I think he only did that whenever I was around, though. Like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, just trying to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah he, but, was, uh, he was really brilliant at his craft. No, oh, he certainly was. There was there one area that you thought he was better at? Ancient Rome. Ancient Rome. That's what I always say. Yeah, yeah. Ancient Rome I, I every time. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I mean, you're you're Byzantine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Byzantine and labor history of early, uh, well, well, early Bob, 20th century America. Bob would want to know, and he'd be pissed if I didn't ask. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, every day. How often did Bob think about the Roman Empire? Every six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Less than that. Yeah, Less than that. Yeah, he was. Uh, I learned. Look, I mean, we've all had extensive education, and I learned so much about so many different things from so many different people. But when right? I got into history, I was a Roman guy. Like I loved the I the empire, and I mean, I, I loved the, the history, the legions. I loved it all, and. I got to Cape Fear, and I told other people, that was the first thing I uh, sat in on when, when Robert Puggett said sit and go to these classes. The first one I sat on was a Bob Brennan. He was doing the Julio Claudians. He started with Augustus. Oh. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, w- I mean, I wish we had it. I wish we had it. But so, he would only I, chalk and talk, you know? It, 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 he never had a PowerPoint. No. Um, he, God, no. He didn't have oh. pictures flying around. He would pull down the maps. How? In fact, whenever we got rid of the maps, How do he you... stole them so that he could tack them back up on the wall while they taught. How do you improve upon perfection? Yeah, I guess. Right. right. How do you improve upon perfection? I mean, okay. why, why, why have any? He didn't need notes. He wasn't note. No. He, 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 he didn't need the book. He was the book. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So, it, it was so vibrant. It was so alive. He really the, needed to write his own book. Uh, that's one thing that I kind of you know he, he definitely he definitely could have but I don't know I mean I, I've said many times and we were just saying earlier I think he was he was just so happy in a classroom doing what he was doing and uh, oh I, yeah we're, we're all going to miss that it's a loss for oh absolutely you know, he, I've never felt a loss for the community Right. You know, until Bob. I, until right? Bob. And I know, believe me, in New Hanover County, in Wilmington, North Carolina, we've had losses before. We've had, I just didn't know them. I didn't feel them. I feel very emotional on a personal level. Right. And then as a civic-minded citizen, as somebody who loves this community with every fiber of my, as somebody who calls this my first and my only home, I'm so sad for what we've lost in New Hanover County. The, oh, absolutely. That, that knowledge, that passion for knowledge. So. Oh, absolutely. We lost we lost a, a walking encyclopedia yes. oh, with Bob. A genius. And we also, yeah, yeah. And we also lost, I mean, geez, we lost a very political-minded person oh, yeah, as well. He, he, I he mean, was, he was pol- would you call him political? Oh, yeah, I would <laughs> yeah, say that he was, he was dyed he was in the cloth po- Democrat, he, he, 100%. He, he, he was very political. He was a very political. political. Man, so. Yeah, but he was very he was very on the line with the Democrats. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah. If, you know, it's funny, though, and I, I think it, it speaks to him. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of disagreements, probably. We had a lot of points where... We might have taken varying paths. A, I want to emphasize this. Bob 
and I think a lot of people might be surprised because there's a gruff exterior. Bob always listened. Oh, always. And I think it was probably in part because in the end he knew he was going to be right. He always told me that he wanted. <laughs> he always told me yeah. he wanted. He wanted the print shirts that said Bob was right. Um, Maybe we should have. Because we, we we still went, have time. We, we went We're back. Still here. We went back and forth in 2000. And, you know what? If President Trump wins the 2024 election, I said he wouldn't. Bob says he will. I'm getting Bob is right T-shirts. It's probably something that will make me feel much I will, better. I will sport one proudly. Um, Bob was right. Bob was right. Bob I mean, I'll was wear, right. I'll wear it to class, and I won't tell anybody what it means. I won't tell anybody why I'm doing it. I'm just going to wear it for myself and for for my good friend. Make at least two. Uh, I'll, right? I will make several. Good. I will make several. <laughs> there will be a lot of people who need a Bob was right T-shirt. Oh. But here's the thing. He always listened to me. Always listened. And never once, never once, and, his, and I'm sure there were times where he was pissed about X, Y, or Z, he never went to me and criticized. He, he might have asked, what was this? What was that? He was never, ever, ever critical without getting my side of the story first. And I think if he got my side of the story first and he disagreed with it, he never would have been critical because he was a, a very loyal a loyal person and i think that's a rare quality yeah. today and yeah, it's something absolutely. I, it's something i admired in him it's something i emulate in him so i think it's something that uh, the democratic AC party yeah this is acdc AC the democratic party in new Hanover county could certainly learn a thing or two from how he was yes yeah, yeah i mean oh my god but yeah he would only listen and then he would respond to it, it that was definitely that was, a his, that was his thing and that was something again a, it would be a lot better off if we did. didn't mean he didn't get hot. No. Didn't mean he didn't get upset. He got upset. He got hot. But only after he thought he understood what the deal was. And until then, he'd give you the benefit of the doubt. He, right. He, he always treat, never treated me uh, like anything other than a good friend. Right. Right. And, he had uh, a lot of jersey I'm, in him like that. And oh yeah. He, yeah. He was oh, he was jersey definitely through Jersey. Through. Jersey through and through. And that's something we actually shared. Even though I'm from Pennsylvania, he was from Jersey. Um, I don't know. Do you know where he went to college? I don't. Kutztown University. Okay. And that was about 30 minutes away from my house. Okay. Nice. So, nice. like, we knew the same stomping grounds. Uh, I, I used to perform at Kutztown. He attended Kutztown, you know. Okay. And wow. he had that Kutztown. same, yeah, he had that same style of, you know, that... Our, I would say it's like our region of, you know, somebody pisses you off in the street and it's like, fuck you, and fuck you too, and then, oh, that. let's go have a beer. He loved that. That was, you know, that was his that jam. Was, that yeah, was his jam. that was definitely his jam. But one thing I got to say is for all his gruff exterior, for all the times that he tried to present his imperfections, if you will, made me seriously doubt that he actually had them. Imperfections or a no, rough no, exterior? No, the, the imperfections that he tried to present. Oh, yeah, yeah. He you was, know? yeah. He, he, look, he had a creamy center. He had a very I, creamy I, center. I, and um, I think it made it, uh, it, it made it all the more special when you got to know him. Right. Because I don't know that everybody made the effort to get to know him, and I don't know no. that, uh, I don't know that he, uh, that bothered him. Um, but I think that the people who would count him as friends would say that uh, 
there were there was a heart there that I emulate. Now, I, I would I would like to be as giving and as kind. Oh, absolutely! Um, as I'm speaking into his microphone. That's his right? microphone right there. That's his mic. <laughs> you know, I mean. It, well, look. I mean, that's just uh, one thing. But also, let's, you know, we would be remiss if we're talking about Bob and we're talking about like you know his politics and his job. And I'm, I know that people have already talked about his dogs. Oh yeah. yeah. But nobody has mentioned his uh, role playing. Like he loved role playing games. He was a Dungeons and Dragons fiend. Yes, that's true. That's you know, true. and people didn't that's talk true. about that. I've noticed. That's true. Uh, and he was absolutely brilliant. Did you ever see the figurines that he painted? Yes, I did. Oh yes, my did. Very god, impressive. he very was so impressive. good at that. That was. You know, yeah. he had a very artistic heart, and it showed oh, up right absolutely. there as well as when he was a DM or, or dungeon master for Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. You absolutely. Could, you could not touch the creativity and the artistic heart that he had. Absolutely. And that got really missed at Cape Fear, I feel. Like, you know, it didn't show there, but oh, yeah. where would it, yeah. you know? Right, yeah. You're not playing Dungeons and Dragons while talking about the Roman Empire. Well, you could. Oh, he did. <laughs> but that was while you're well, playing Dungeons and Dragons, let's, you know? uh, let's get Jason back on here and right let's on. try to get some, uh, some more of his colleagues. We got a lot of people who have showed up to talk about Bob, to support Bob. Um, so I will put a little music on. Sweet. And uh, once again, this is Bob Brennan's Bash. Um, Bob, uh, we, we love you, and uh, we, we really miss you. Miss you, Bob. sitting here with Bree, one of Bob's students from how long ago, Bree? Uh, 20 something, 20, 21 years ago. 20 something, <laughs> 20 years ago. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you. We've been looking for a student to share a little bit about uh, Bob Brennan, uh, teacher, instructor, mentor, and uh, what he meant to, uh, to the people who knew him and loved him. So Bree, uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about uh, Bob Brennan. Uh, well, as I said, I, I met him um, in his classroom 20-something years ago. Um, never knew that he would be a lifelong friend. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Um, I haven't even said anything. I didn't think I would be getting emotional. Well, uh, you're, you're in good company. I was, uh, we've been... 
crying all week. Yeah. <laughs> crying yeah. all week. Um, so when I met Bob, I had no earthly idea um, that he had cystic fibrosis for a really long time. When I met him, he was this big, well, big, sh short, hey. <laughs> beefy man um, that went to Gold Gym every single day and uh, walked around at the beach with no shirt on and, um, you know, was uber confident and yeah. um, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, I was utterly shocked um, when I found out about the lung transplant that that was happening and and all of that, which happened so you, you through never, social media. You, you, you never knew until the lung transplant? Um, well, it was a little bit before that. Wow. Um, wow. But no, I never knew. I never knew. No, I, uh, we talked about a lot of things in our life, but we never, no, I never knew. Yeah. I never knew. Yeah. So I was just floored because yeah, he came across as the epitome of health and fitness and confidence and just, you know, I mean, he, that's just who he was when yeah. I met him. And, yeah. um, so no earthly idea. So that was really strange. Um, you know, he quickly became a friend. Um, I took a few more um, history classes than I ever thought I would. I don't give a shit about history. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I do. No, you I do. do but I'm not like intrigued and enthralled like, uh, you know, like Bob was. But I was intrigued and enthralled by him. I loved the way that he taught. I loved his enthusiasm and his passion. Um, and he did. He became a really good friend. Um, and so, yeah, I took a little more history than I probably would have otherwise, which is a good thing. So thank you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, uh, what is one thing that you really would say that you learned from Bob? Like one big thing, not a history thing, but just a, just a, a life thing. Because I feel like what we do as instructors, and what Bob did better than most, is to impart wisdom and to help people on their own journeys, their own intellectual journeys, their spiritual journey, whatever journey yeah. you're on. Yeah. I feel like that whatever subject we teach, we're supposed to do that. So where did he do that for you? You said you've been friends for a long, long time. So oh, yeah, yeah. Um, why? I think the happiness factor um, that, you know, whether it's your relationships or um, what you do for your career or who, you know, who you spend your time with in general or your hobbies, like, you know, he, his, he loved traveling and, yeah. um, you know, that it's really important and I'm sure he would be saying right now, life's too short and don't fucking not go out and do the shit you want to do and don't. <clears throat> Don't settle. Yeah. Um, just go do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you, you talked about his health and his fitness and his confidence. And I feel like that was the only way he couldn't settle. Because he could have he could have just said, you know what? I he have cystic fibrosis. He could have given I up. I can be an invalid. I'm fine. And yeah. uh, he would never do that. Yeah. Knowing him the way I do and the way he's touched his students, you know, all of that was about being able to do the things that you're talking about, the going out, the living. It was about no that. Option. Yep. And I've never met somebody who fought like that. Had that kind of drive and that determination. Kind of drive, to, just, yeah. to, just to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think when he found those moments to be alive, which I think all, you know, in his classroom, when he found those moments, and maybe that's what made him such a great teacher, when he found that moment of peace, 
where I can do what I feel like I was made to do and what I was bred to well, do. Well, and he's talked about with you, that with you guys on the podcast about how, you know, that was the thing that would take yeah. his mind off of it, you know? He would go in and he would get caught up in and what forget, he loved. And, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, had, so. I've had those experiences on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had times where I was in school and uh, one, of my, one of my students hit my thumb drive. I was getting my second master's for political science. One of my students hit my thumb drive, and I had my thesis on it, and I had like 50 pages unsaved. <laughs> it, was, it was saved on the thumb drive, and they broke the thumb drive. And I, I'll, I'll be very honest with you, it was the only time I've ever cried over a non-human thing. <laughs> right. You know I, what I mean? I, I did. I was like, oh, my God, there's 50 pages. Yeah. And I taught that day. I, I had a class that minute. Yeah. So I, I regrouped. By the time I was out of that class, for the briefest of moments, I had forgotten that this horrible thing had happened to me. I didn't forget after. Yeah. But I, I sometimes think about Bob like that, where he had such a, a hard physical road. And I, I do believe, I really do believe that that was alleviated when he got to lead the academic and the mental parade. Yeah. You know, he couldn't lead the physical parade. I yeah. mean, for a while he could. He, Dude was ripped. Yeah, but he Dude did even do ripped. that. He did, he even did do, do that. that. I mean, he's just, he was unstoppable. He was. He was yeah. a force of nature. And yeah. I do think, and I do pray that uh, if people pray, that's fine. I do pray that he found that level of peace. And I think he did when he went to teach. Um, yeah. I think it's why he was so good at it. Yeah. You know? yeah Let it all go and just rip. I just wish... <laughs> had stopped teaching just a little bit sooner you know a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people have said that and i it's funny i mean i think it's part of what kept him alive i, I don't think he wanted to stop teaching but the fact that he didn't make it to ireland is just like a pill we know too hard to swallow we you know, know how we love darling just like fuck why <laughs> why yeah, yeah. <laughs> so seems so unfair yeah but yeah um, i'm very thankful he actually we had been talking recently, and um, I, this was my first semester teaching at the college. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I'm teaching. Come, for, come full circle. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but he came down to see me um, in the kitchen because I was we had wacky hours, and I couldn't seem to catch him in his office, so he came and caught me um, down there, and I feel like we saw each other, and like I feel like the hug was like 10 minutes long. <laughs> I feel like we just... Well, so I'm just really, really thankful. He, uh, thankful for that. He, he absolutely loved uh, every second that he spent with his students. He did. So. He did. <laughs> as, we as, loved it so much we had to go and hang out after class. <laughs> as, as much as his, he got from, or his students got from him, you know, I always feel like he got more, not, not necessarily more from them. But I feel like he really appreciated... Well, yeah, and like I said, a long time ago, um, you know, he used to be married and and whatnot, and, um, you know, we knew him going through his divorce and all of that, and, um, you know, he doesn't have kids and, you know, all of that, and so, you know, having having people around him when he's feeling, you know, kind of floating out there on that island of of madness, you know, seemingly alone, um, I think it was really important to have as many people as he could have, and so that was a really good community for him, especially during that time, I feel like. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Bree, we really appreciate you coming Thank and you so sharing much. your memories. Appreciate you doing this. Oh, 
We love it. <laughs> we love it. it. It's, you know, and Bob would be proud. It is self-indulgent and somewhat selfish. And uh, I don't think he had it any No, that's, that's A plus from Bob. You got it. <laughs> that um, checks a lot of the boxes. And I also know for a fact, uh, if our listeners don't, that Bob does not only know sarcasm, he mastered sarcasm. Oh, yes. So. He could do it with just his eyes. He didn't even have to say anything. Most he could be sarcastic and just looking at you. <laughs> he spoke sarcasm like some of us dabble in English. Absolutely. He was, he was a genius. Yeah, so, master's degree. I'm going to put a lo- on a little more music. We're going to go find uh, a couple other people. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. Thank and, you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> yep, me as well. Bye. Bye. Sorry to keep you waiting. Jason McCoy returning back to Put Him on the Couch podcast. We are reporting live from downtown Wilmington, North Carolina on this beautiful afternoon. It's 3.54. We got friends, faculty, staff, former students out to celebrate the life of Bob Brennan, former Gold's gym member, historian, college instructor, friend, sarcastic asshole. You've heard from a couple of Bob's office mate, students, colleagues. We've got a few more. Hopefully I can get them to come over to the uh, microphone and say a couple words. Bob has been sorely missed and we're only about a week into the new semester. Not having him walk the halls, not having his sardonic wit to remind me and keep me grounded. It's, it's been tough this Fresh semester. blood. <laughs> Speaking of fresh blood, we got a new member to take the hot seat. We're going to put Mr. Dylan Patterson on the couch. Dylan's going to put the little baby earphones on so that he can hear himself and hear me. Dylan Patterson, longtime friend and colleague of Bob Brennan's. I think they, they didn't share an office, but they were pretty close um, geographically. I think you were across he, the hall. He was across the hall for a couple of decades. Yeah. Yeah. So Dylan teaches English, known Bob for probably as long as most here at Cape Fear. Uh, I started 23 years ago, and Bob was already, a, already, a already there right? and, and already a presence. So. Yeah. It's kind of surreal, isn't it, Dylan? It is surreal. I think part of what's surreal for me is seeing Bob right before we left for Christmas break before his lung transplant. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, 
he hadn't quite been approved. He was working on approval, and yeah. there, when I said goodbye to him for that break, there was a question of whether I'd ever see him again. Yeah. Well, and so being prepared, you know, as prepared as you can get, or at least somewhat prepared. And then, of course, he did so well with the transplant, and he, uh, these, Jason's yeah, kids sorry, just I'm arrived uh, here. Creating a little disturbance. Uh, my kids just showed up, and I want to give them a hey quick guys. kiss. Sorry to interrupt you. And so, uh, and then, you know, fast forward, what was it, seven years? Yeah. And well, uh, it would have been six years, Dylan. We were at the top of the broadcast, we were talking about how this really should have been a celebration, a six-year celebration of Bob's uh, post-lung transplant, double right. lung transplant. So it would have been six years, uh, January 1st. He didn't quite make it, died December 21st. Yeah, yeah. And then saying, you know, leaving for Christmas break this time and expecting at least that they're going to figure out what's going on with his liver and they're going to, you know, at least have a shot at a liver transplant yeah. and then getting your... I guess a Facebook message that he had uh, that he had died. Yeah, they passed away. Shock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when someone's been hit as many times as Bob had been hit physically, I mean, you, you didn't have to hear my podcast if you already knew him. You'd heard the story probably many times about how close he'd been to death. Yeah. How many times he'd been hospitalized and. And, you know, sometimes it was for a mere infection. Mm -hmm. And it would put him out for a week, two weeks maybe, and he'd claw back. And in fact, sometimes uh, I wouldn't even know he was gone. He'd show, buck, show, back up, show up back outside my office uh, a week, two weeks later and say, you miss me? And I'm like, why would I miss you? Mm -hmm. you know, show up at midterm, and I'm like, you've been down the hall, right? Sorry yeah. I don't say hello to you every day, but i got things to do. He's like, no, I've been in the hospital for 10 days. I almost died. I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, nobody told me. You didn't call anyone. He's like, ah, why am I going to call anyone? He goes, it's nothing, a little infection. Yeah. Um, there was always that feeling with Bob that he could beat most anything thrown at him. Yeah. And um, Yeah, that was his whole life, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that story that has, uh, I don't know if, I guess haunt me, haunted me, mm -hmm. of him being a part of that group of children with, yeah. with cystic fibrosis and yeah. them all dying one by one. Yeah. And then the capper of that story is the doctor's suicide yeah like oh god how do how do you uh you know and then you know i think death always has us questioning well it gets us in touch with change of course yeah. and um, whether we've done it right whether we're doing it right yeah you know and then you know i live near oakdale cemetery and you walk through that cemetery and you see uh, you know, people that lived uh, 90 years and, and then these little grave markers, someone who lived four days yeah. and trying to make some kind of sense of, uh, you know, what, why, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 I'm trying to think of what movie I just watched that was uh, really trying to make sense of... Um, I don't know. Yeah, just, the wares and hows and what for yeah. One baby's born with cystic fibrosis, one isn't. Yeah. Um, but what's, what's encouraging, what's in, what is, for me, empowering and um, is just that he did everything with the, with the cards that he was dealt. I know it's a, it's a cliched uh, uh, metaphor, but with the cards that he was dealt, he did 
couldn't have done more with him no, as think, far as extending his life. No, I think that's right. And the hard-headedness, the tenacity, the almost obsession with which he went about life. You know, I joked with him and gave him a hard time about measuring himself so harshly against the bench press stick or the, the whatever physical metric stick he was using. How many times have I been in the gym? How, how uh, you know, how much can I curl? And I'm like, dude, there are other measuring sticks, right? Yeah. Like your, your value, your worth is, is so much more than just your physical physique. But for Bob, you know, I don't know that he articulated. And he articulated a lot of things very well, but I'm not sure that he, he convinced me. He articulated it well enough for me because I was always wondering, why does he take so – why is he so obsessed with physical physique? And I think for him it was, you know, the, the metric that, that – was the closest to to life. Uh, he believed that if I can only stay strong, then that must mean that I'm at least staying steady, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sliding. I'm not. Uh, I'm not losing, so to speak. And yeah, his last um, interview with me, which I'm going to publish tonight. Uh, it's Bob's final interview. Just got a couple more things to do to wrap it up. He. He sounded tired, you know, and he, he sounded almost like he'd given up in the last hour. He sat with me. And uh, I have to admit, I, I was worried for him. I, I was uncomfortable listening to the pause, uh, just sitting with the pauses, him saying, I'm tired, Jason, you know, and I never call you Jason. I'm like, wow, it still haunts me. It plays in my head, you know. It was almost as if he knew this was it. And um, I reluctantly went away for Christmas and, and left him behind. And uh, sure enough, man, just before I left, he said, man, I'm having a little trouble breathing. I got to go into New Hanover. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's probably that fluid. Go in there and get that meta wet back off of you, man. You'll be good to go. And he's emailing me, texting me, excuse me, um, you know, several days that, um, hey, what are we going to talk about? I want to talk about human frailty. I want to talk about the Constitution. He had all these ideas about what he wanted to talk about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, he went kind of, went dark. A couple of days later, I texted him like, hey, man, did you ever get out of the hospital? Are you okay? And he's like, there was nothing from him. Mm. And that's when I started getting messages from his best friend, Steve, and his brother. They were there, and they had had his phone. Mm-hmm. And they said, man, he's, he's lost consciousness. And I don't think it's going to be long. Yeah, I just uh, remembered what movie I was watching, and it's this uh, new movie on Netflix called Society of Snow. Which just watched it myself, yeah. been recommending it to a lot of people, including my wife. Right. 1972 uh, Uruguayan uh, soccer team, right? Uh, rugby. Rugby team, excuse me, have the crash in the uh, Chilean Andes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they made that movie alive. There yeah, have been multiple was, yeah. books about it. But this one was so much better, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was incredible. And, and that... You know, very explicit discussions about why did some survive the initial uh, crash, uh, why not others? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and just trying to make make sense of it. Some sense of of randomness, yeah. and then also the um, uh, I'll say spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. Although this occurred in 1972. So yeah. Um, is that two of the guys? tired of uh, just waiting at the fuselage of the plane after a couple of months pass, they, they go uh, to hike their way out. Oh, yeah, and, they're, gonna, they're and, searching for Chile, right? And, yeah. Or for uh, 
a city in Chile. Like yeah. they're they, they're convinced that on the other side of the horizon, I believe, yeah. there's the promised land, right? Yeah. And that scene where they get to the the, the first yeah. peak and they look yeah. over and it's just nothing but mountains, just and mountains snow. after mountains. And, and they're not deterred, are they? Dylan? Well, one one was, was a little right, but you know, Bob yeah, would have been the other guy. He would have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would have talked shit about how far it's going to be, but he'd be right. like, you know what? What else are we going to do? It's just that yeah, that will to. Um, and I think it may be referenced in the movie, but maybe it's something else I was listening to. Churchill's uh, quote about mm-hmm. history is just one goddamn thing after another, yeah, or whatever it? it is. And uh, and as it relates to to life, I mean, most people, it seems like at least in the U.S., don't have to contend with the kind of relentless health uh, challenges. I mean, the majority. I mean, right. you know, most of us kind of get through you know but just that day in day out grind of it yeah and uh you know one thing we could say you know, we could say is that sort of he's special that he had a special like will to live on the other hand i've heard who are people who were in difficult circumstances like a friend who lost her 21 year old son mm-hmm. to a drug overdose right say you know people say well i could never handle this and it's like well you're gonna you would have to figure out how to handle this yeah. i don't have any unique special set of skills, or, skills yeah. to handle the death of my you son. You just do it or you I'm don't, right? I'm having to do it. Yeah, yeah. And when you find yourself in that position, but some people do fold. Of course. And, and Bob, course. Bob did not fold. No. I mean, and that's, that's uh, you know, I, do, I am not in that same position. My health right. is good. Um, but all of us are contend with change and disappointment. And, and so uh, the legacy he leaves behind um, is one, you know, the, the, the domino that he started that sort of continue is um, role modeling that kind of grit. Yeah, that determination. Uh, that perseverance. Yeah. yeah. Some call it stubborn tenacity, but uh, yeah, I like that, Dylan. Yeah. Well, man, uh, anything else you want to share before uh, we get a, another one of Bob's friends, colleagues, students over? I think uh, I like I like the last thing I said. I think yeah. that's uh, yeah, and I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him. You know, he and I were we're we're you know close work friends. I wish we uh, could have uh, gotten to know each other better, but I'm glad I got to know him as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he respected you and thought a lot of you, Dylan. Yeah. And thanks for taking time to come by. Absolutely. Appreciate Thank you for putting this together. Yeah, man. Again, this is Jason McCoy for Put Him on the Couch and. We're spending the afternoon live at the Poor House downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, just celebrating the life of Bob Brennan, sharing stories, remembering the good times and the bad. If you knew Bob, if you know Bob, if he had any kind of impact on you, please, if you're in and around the downtown Wilmington area, stop by, have a drink on Bob, pour one out for him, stop by and leave a well wish or share a story. Gonna go back to some music and I'll be back in just a couple minutes. I would love for you to talk. I'm just gonna let this song play out. Take a photo and put it in. So again, we are here at the Poor Tap Room, downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, on Front Street. 
I'm Jason McCoy, one half of the podcast Put Him on the Couch, and we're here to celebrate the life and the legacy of the man, the myth, the sarcastic asshole himself, Bob Brennan. <laughs> With me here at the poorhouse is an old friend. I, I preface, he's not actually old. This yes, guy is. Is, is, <laughs> is is no more than 50 years old. He yeah. can't be. Yeah. Frank, you look good, man. Thank Former you. department chair of communications, humanities, uh, religion, philosophy, fine arts. My God, this is back when we didn't have five and ten different department chairs. Frank has done it all, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that wasn't in your department was yeah. in mine. <laughs> oh, Frank, God. you knew Bob Brennan. I did. It's kind of surreal, isn't it? It is more surreal to me because I hadn't seen him in the past few years. Yeah. When I came back to um, teach some part-time back in September of this year, yeah. I stopped by Kate's office. Kate Santa had been uh, moved to um, interna- uh, National or International uh, Phi Theta Kappa. Yeah. And so she was teaching two courses of public speaking, and so I took those courses at Lucinda's request. And when I did it, I had no idea, really, that I would see all the same people that I knew yeah. from before, but one of the first people I saw was Bob, oh my and goodness. he came up to um, to her office. And at first, I just couldn't believe my eyes. I looked, I looked at him, and I said, "It's Bob." But the last time I remember Bob, he was having a double lung transplant, sure, and he didn't look anything like a person that might have. And as I've reminded listeners that that was six years ago. January 1st. Yeah. You know, if he'd made it, it'd have been a six-year anniversary of that double lung transplant. That would have been an amazing thing, an an amazing feat. Um, My wife is an MD, and she several times said, you know, that that was just such a dangerous operation that you don't have a choice about. No, Dylan was just remarking about that. No choice. Some people are called brave for going through these kinds of things, but the people that go through them will sometimes say, well, what choice did I have? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I saw him, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I talked to him for a while that day, and he was in great spirits and up, and I felt great just talking to him, as usual. Yeah. I always did. But I want to kind of go back to just one thing that happened. When I first came to CFCC, uh, I met a lot of people in your department. That was before you got here. Yeah, this was social sciences, religion, uh, philosophy. Yeah. And, I, and I met, of course, Sutton, who later got into our department, and some of the other guys. And... What I thought was kind of amazing was I was sort of gathering myself into this family. And I I really felt like we had an extremely good, close relationship. And a lot of these people later became my my department people, too. And I was kind of hoping history would would migrate in there, too, but it it didn't. But um, when I first became chair... I, I kept teaching my night class because I didn't want it to interfere with my daytime work. So I kept teaching the six to nine TV and film class. Film, uh, it was called um, Humanities 160, Intro to Film. Nice. And so uh, I had historic films that I showed to the students. And one day, uh, Bob saw my... Um, my syllabus, and it said we were going to take a look at Citizen Kane tonight. And I said, great. He said, can I come? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Welcome to it. 
And so he came and he contributed so much to class because he must have known more about Citizen Kane than I did. How about and that? And I had no idea. And I'm not saying I knew everything about sure. it, but he was certainly good. I mean, to you have. were the film teacher, you're the humanities guy. <laughs> but he was certainly good to have that night. So at, traditionally, for the next couple of years, he came to my Citizen Kane lecture and contributed to it. And then one day, I think about 2005, maybe, or 2004 or five, he said, Well, I can't come to the Citizen Kane tonight uh he said but i got this for you so it's a it's a picture from the poster the original poster that uh, rko pictures did of um the movie citizen kane and promoting it this is just a, a miniature part of the poster and as frank is describing this he actually has the poster here live right here in the window we're looking at it together um and so you're saying Bob Brennan brought this to you? Yeah, he did. He said, well, I'll let you know that I, 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 am, I was reminded that tonight was the night, but I wasn't going to be able to make it. So I thought I'd do this for you. So I kept that in my office for until I retired in 2012, and now it's been in, in my home office since 2012, uh, about 12 years. And uh, every time I look at it, of course, what do I think of? Bob Brennan. And what a great sense of humor. What a dedicated teacher, and I, I, I can't emphasize that enough, a truly dedicated teacher and an historian on top yeah. of all of that. And it's just that he was one of the very first people that made me feel a part of the CFCC family, and I've never, I, I have never been anywhere either before that or after that that I felt any more welcomed in a group of people than I do sure. or did there. So. I just wanted to say that to hey, uh, that's his awesome family to hear, and, Frank. The, and the people that are, are going to hear this. Or he, that are his hearing. I, I'm not sure if you know this, Frank, but we have been live for the last 90 minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, so I am playing it live. Oh, I um, didn't know. not sure what kind of editing I'll end up doing to put <laughs> it out as a uh, complete package. But sure. uh, for those of you that couldn't make it, we've got some people that are in other states now that have moved on that are very much wanting to be a part of this, wanting to hear um, us come in and say our goodbyes to Bob and yeah. tell some stories. So well, I probably a, should have prefaced that when I encourage you to come over no, okay. by saying it's live. But That's okay. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine that it's live. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to just end it by saying that uh, he also was a friend. Yeah. And, and a, a good friend, a friend that you, you're in the first years when I was chair. I had a lot of trouble assimilating everybody. They're such different, diverse people. Sure. Putting everybody into an environment that, where everybody could work really hard and do what they did best, but also where we all had a, a lot of respect for the rest of the college, of the course. other people in the college. Of course. And uh, he always really had my respect in every, every sense of the word. So I just yeah. want to let you know that... Um, and I'll raise a glass to him right hey, now. Hey, appreciate I, it. I just, I'll have another one soon myself, Frank. We'll, we'll miss him. Um, it's just unbelievable, but I, I just can't say enough good about the guy. So thanks a lot for the opportunity. Thanks for your time, Frank Carter, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you, Frank. Hope to see you soon. I'm going to look around here and uh, see if there's anyone else who wants to come over and uh, share a little bit about Bob Brennan. While I look around, I'll take a break and uh, leave you with a little power ballad from the 1980s.
everybody. We are back. We are here with another one of Bob's colleagues, instructor, professor of anthropology, Rachel Salzman. How you doing, Rachel? Fantastic. Rachel just asked me if this picture of Bob behind me was <laughs> real. And it is a credit to Bob that somebody might believe, and I could believe, that Bob on Arnold Schwarzenegger's body Bob's head on his body is is plausible. No, I could totally it believe that. It is plausible, right? Because I, I was Bob. That's what everybody says. Like when like, when Bob died, I was talking to Amanda, my wife. I was talking to Amanda about it, and that's what she was. I remember Bob being ripped. He was ripped. He was ripped, and he got ripped-ish after the lung transplant. Yeah. You remember how? You remember how small he got? Yeah. I mean, he must have been down to like. He must have been close to 100 pounds. Yeah. He, uh, and and yeah. It, it's just a testament to Bob that he came he back. He worked for it. Did he ever? Did he, he worked ever. for it. Yeah, it was right here in this building uh, seven years ago or six years ago that we uh, we raised money for him. And we uh, he came in uh, <laughs> via, it was a Zoom or it was a conference call, FaceTime. Um but I know he talked about that often. He talked about that meant a lot to him to see how many people were fighting for him. For and it sure. gave him the strength for him to keep fighting for himself. So, so, Rachel, we're here. It's a sad day, but it's a celebratory day, as Bob would want it. Yes. And uh, we've invited everybody to talk a little bit about something they remember from, uh, from Bob Brennan. How long was he your colleague? So I met Bob in 2008 when I was moved into his office as his office mate. <laughs> and um, I had been warned he by a lot of office mates. <laughs> I'm wondering if it was, like, at some point, do we have to ask about, like, was there, was there a Bob thing? I think it was, like, hazing. Like, it was, like, <laughs> you have to survive being in the office with Bob if you're going to continue I working think, at Cape Fear Community College. I, I think that used to be in the, the faculty handbook, yeah, as a matter of sure. fact. <laughs> Section 3.1. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, um, I shared that office with Bob. I It was the best onboarding experience I ever had. He was just so fun. Um, the students loved him. I mean, there was like 20 students that would follow him back to the office after class and yeah, just rub it in. chit-chat <laughs> and continue whatever conversation they were having in class. Like... Yeah. These students were so excited to learn from him, and um, he's just an amazing educator, an amazing historian. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And he always made me feel uh, inadequate. You know, I would go and I would, I was, I've told this story a couple times, but, you know, I was told by Robert Puckett, our first, uh, our first chair, my yeah. first chair. Me too. Learn how to teach by watching other teachers and he's like you know you're a smart kid but you've never taught okay and uh, he recommended bob he did uh warn me not to buy into the negativity <laughs> what he said he said don't don't listen to the complaints he's just just listen to the lecture i just feel like bob was like it wasn't even negativity it was like healthy skepticism it really was like it i don't really even was. view it as negative it was just no. like so skeptical to because he was brilliant so of course he was skeptical. <laughs> you know, and that, that's like I, I, I'm not even kidding. I almost was so intimidated. Uh, I, I was never shy, but I felt like I was probably I was so intimidated by, like I'm like that's what we do. Like I have to do that, <laughs> and I'm like I don't know that I can do 
that, and I told him that. You know, he met with me after class, and I sat with him, and we talked, and he told me, he's like, he's like, ah, no, that's it. He said, you just got to find your own style. But he's like, what he told me was, you have all the knowledge. He's like, we have all the knowledge. And it really made me realize that it was not about how brilliant he was. It was right. that how he worked hard to be brilliant. Yes. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, part of it's natural. Maybe there's a natural thing. Like, I don't want to get into a nature nurture thing. He worked his ass off. He uh, did. Not just physically to be able to do his job, but mentally to be able to get his job. He worked his ass off. So I agree. He was, he was smart, but it was from work. For sure. Definitely. Uh, do, do you have a great Bob story after, so 2008, you said you started working together? 2008, I was moved into his office, and then they moved me out of his office to move to the Q building, which was actually right across the street. From where we are? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you don't know about Q building? I don't know Q It was building. wild. It was actually awesome. So, that building was in the basement of where W, not the basement, the ground level of where WHQR was. No way. We had a building there? Oh, Totally. And so all my classes were in that building, and I had this humongous office with a bathroom, bathtub, shower, and... You had a, wait, you had an office with a bathroom bathroom, and a bathtub? Bathtub and shower. Was this a private office? Yes, and floor-to-ceiling windows that looked out on Front Street. Why did you leave? Why did, wait, why did we get rid of that building? We, I think we held on to that building for as long as we could and then they wanted us all back together and I went from there to you building. You's not bad. Come on. You's pretty you good. was great. Yeah, you was awesome. But it wasn't that. It, it, it I mean that it doesn't was have a bathroom. Awesome. No that kidding. was crazy. That's insane. And it was probably good that they moved me because truth be told, I did not get a lot of work done when I was an office mate of Bob's just because there were imagine. so many students in and out of there. But then also it was like, if there weren't students, it was him and I having some random conversation about whatever. Tell me about it. I, I was not an <laughs> office mate of Bob. Right. I was an office neighbor. Oh. I spent two years as an office neighbor, hmm. and I was always like secretly do it. So, like sometimes Amanda would come in the office, I'd be there like ten thirty at night, and I'd be prepping a lecture, and she would say, "Why don't you just do that in the morning at your office?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I can't, no, because there's a there's." at least a 25% chance that Bob will say something either stupid or interesting, and I will have to prove him wrong. Absolutely. let him tell me why I'm, well, I'm wrong. Or <laughs> we will have to just agree and in like a circular way, just keep agreeing with each other and talk about the same things we already believe in. For but sure. But you couldn't pull yourself away. That was Bob. It was just like, I, I have a lot of shit to do. I know. But damn, this is interesting. I agree. Uh, and it was just, that's, he just got in you like that. He just was, uh, yeah, that's why I was saying to people earlier, he was just such a part of, uh, he's going to be a big part of me. Uh, me too. Moving forward. I learned a lot from, from Bob. I learned a lot from him in general, and I admire his courage and grit when it came to fighting for his health and his body. I mean, uh, the litany of diagnoses oh that oh he had. 
And he would always like pack this very specific lunch in order to maintain proper blood sugar. Oh yeah, work out every single morning. It's incredible. Just to, like the care he took for his body, we should all be inspired Amen. by that. Amen. Well, you know, I would come to his office right before because I'd leave. You know. It was that you know that little cutout in the S building. Oh, uh, where, I know. Where uh, Joel uh, Landstein's, Landstein's yeah. office. So I would go there, uh, go do my work. Uh, Ronnie Kirkland's old office. Yes. I'd go do that, and um, I'd get ready to go to class. I'd you know, check in. I'd wave in, and this is when Bob was really getting sick, mm. and uh, he'd be sitting there getting himself. He, he, we'd have five minutes. I'd have to go to class. He'd have to go to class. He was giving himself insulin shots yep. to go to class. Or he was, when he was getting much older, or not much older, much sicker, he was laying on his uh, couch, yep. hooked up to oxygen. Yep. And he said, I just need like three or four more minutes just to get the oxygen to walk to down go. the hall yep. and then to talk. To lo- talk. To teach for, for an hour. And or an hour, yeah. an hour and 15 minutes. And... I know he fought for it, but I never got the sense that he felt it was a burden. I felt he always felt it was a joy. Yeah. And, and that more than anything is what I take away is finding a way to maintain the the joy of I my agree. work. So I love that. I really love that, Nelson, because that's what we all need to do. It's and it's a choice. It's a conscious choice to look for the joy even in the bad times and that's kind of what's going on here it's like i'm so sad that bob is gone but in some ways i'm so glad to be here to celebrate who he was and glad to be here with my colleagues you know and it sounds like they used to do this a lot before you and i started working (laughs) they did what did I miss? We missed like, oh, the cool we used to go era. I'm like, okay, fine. I like, know. I, I started in 12. I didn't know you started in 8. So I started teaching at the college in 2005. Five, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I was adjunct at that point, and then I was TFT for, like, multiple years in a row. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, thank you very much for coming on. Thank and you, Nelson. Speaking with us and uh, to our to our to classes. Water, wine, yeah, um, to our good friend Bob Brennan. Uh, we'll put a little music on. We'll get some more guests up here. But uh, we are continuing from uh, the poor tap room in Wilmington, North Carolina, our celebration of our good friend and colleague Bob Brennan. Cheers.
And we're back, Jason McCoy, live here at the Poor House in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, on Front Street. It's a relatively nice day, a little overcast. Celebrating the life and times of Mr. Bob Brennan, 28-year history teacher, friend, colleague, sarcastic asshole to many, mentor to students. Been interviewing some of his friends, colleagues, former students. We've got a very special guest here, poised and ready to tell a story or two. Professor Yuna Shin, ladies and gentlemen. Yuna. Hi. How Hi are there. You? Nice to see you. Yeah. So, what can I say about Bob? He was Bob. Right. I mean, you say Bob, and there he is. So, yeah, I wanna, I wanna say like uh, when I first started teaching at Cape Fear, this when I met Bob because he was very interested in learning German. Yes. And so, um, and he was about to go on a long trip to Germany in the summer. So he's yes. like, can I come and? take the class so like very, my very very first semester at Cape Fear was in my class so that's that's where we met in my yes. class so um, I mean he was a colleague but he was also a student yeah. and you know we were all very young then and we were talking like 20 years ago right right yeah so yeah and that's how I like to remember Bob yeah. like a young really energetic full of life guy yeah yeah, Bob, uh, I've said this before on previous episodes of this show, um, and Bob heard me say it um, as well. He was truly a lifelong learner. Learner. He, um, you know, most people vacation to get away from work. Bob was always looking for that next spot he could go to dive more deeply into what it was he was interested in intellectually and theoretically, right? So right. as a historian, he wasn't satisfied with just reading books or going to class and showing photographs that other people took. He wanted to immerse himself in that culture as best yeah, he could. Yeah, he did. And, and um, I've always respected that about Bob because yeah, I'm not sure how many people do that. No, and and that says something about his curiosity, right? And Absolutely. you can't lose your curiosity and um, hope to learn anything. And so he was always very curious about different cultures, and that also had to do with what he was teaching, but he wanted to sort of experience it himself yes. and be able to really tell um, you know, real stories about, about history. And um, yeah, that's, yeah, so yeah. that was Bob. Yeah, and I'm not sure if, this came across to you, I'm, I'm assuming it did, but he was also uh, very much an interdisciplinarian. Mm -hmm. He wasn't just interested in history. He was interested in political science and, as you said, culture, and he was interested in psychology. I thought at first maybe he was just putting on, but after sitting in my class semester after semester and spending so much time with me talking shop about psychology and asking me if he could sit on my classes and he always wanted to take my tests and he was just so curious about human behavior and how the brain worked and yeah um, and true to form he would sometimes brag about how many questions he got right or how smart he was about psychology yeah um, but I yeah I always appreciated that about him that he yeah and he respected you know, it exactly and he never bragged about it right um, he never bragged about how voracious he was no. in wanting to learn stuff or how much he has already done or how much he knows you would never know if unless 
Unless you're really close to him and right. he would confide in you. So, um, yeah, and I, I really like that modesty about him, too. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he was special. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I'm just sad he can't be here to hear all of these uh, well wishes right. and all of these stories. But I will say, Bob, unlike most people, did get a glimpse uh, when he was going in for the double lung transplant. Mm-hmm. He got a sneak preview of what people thought of him in the form of the, the GoFundMe crowdsourcing um, uh, fundraising. Yeah, um, I remember that. He, he probably said so on, the, on one of the first podcasts I did with him. He said, it was nice to read all of these well wishes and all of these messages and what I meant to people. He said, you know, most people will never get to hear that, but I kind of got a, an inside look. Yeah. Um, at what yeah. people think about me before I was, as, as while I was still here. Yeah, and, so. and that was a good testament to how how he was and what he meant to other people, right? Sure. And uh, people who didn't even know him very well, I think they stepped up and donated, and I think that means a lot. Yes. And that says a lot about what kind of person he was and, you know, um, the kind of friend he was. And that he was a friend. Sure. He was a good friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and um, I talked to him not too long before he passed. Yes. And I mean, what what does one say in a situation like that? Um, and I knew that he was planning to retire and move to Ireland. And he had been telling me about getting Irish citizenship through yeah. his grandfather, I That's guess. That's right. Uh, and um, he was telling me all about that and how he got Irish citizenship. And yeah. once he's done at Cape Fear, he's done yeah. working, he would be moving to Ireland. And That's I said, right. yeah, Bob, you're going to be finishing, you're going to be retiring from Cape Fear, and you're going to be going to Ireland like you planned for so many Absolutely. years. And I am just so, so saddened that he didn't get to do that but he is now free to fly yeah. wherever he wants to well now i have to remind myself that bob didn't wait until right before death to experience life i mean he took life by the horns he'd been to ireland many times it wasn't an accident that, that was the right. place he wanted to spend eternity and uh, i'm not sure if you know this or if the audience knows this but Someone, myself or his brother or both of us, maybe his friend Steve from childhood, will be taking his ashes and his dog's ashes uh, to the cliffs in Ireland very oh, soon. Yeah. So and he will get to spend dogs. he will get to spend the rest mm-hmm. of his life or you know the rest of eternity right there yeah. over the cliffs of Ireland. Yeah. yeah, and oh my gosh, and he and the love that he had for his dogs. Absolutely, and I remember him talking about. Caesar and yes. how when he passed, when Caesar passed, he was so heartbroken. And when he got Crixus, you know, and um, but you know, I mean, any pet owner will tell you any, I mean, they're not replaceable, no. right? And he was so heartbroken, but I think he was happy with Crixus. But I mean, I, I imagine, I mean, I don't believe in afterlife, but I do believe in some sort of like. I don't know, incarnation, I call, call that the Korean side of mm-hmm. my upbringing, but I am inclined to think that he is now free, right? Free of um, the broken body, free of illness, free of pain, and yes. I am really, really hoping that he is reunited yes. with, the, with the 
dogs that he loved so, so much yes. and everybody that he held dear yes. who preceded him. Well, Professor Shan, Yuna, thank you for coming on and, and speaking. Thank you. And sharing your story about Bob. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We'll miss Bob. Thank you. He was someone special. Thank you. then Jason McCoy Ooh. back with you at the poor tap house downtown Wilmington North Carolina Front Street on this sort of dreary Friday afternoon January 12th kind of like an Irish summer day uh, yeah <laughs> almost five o'clock we've been going now for a little over two hours I'm sure most people are tired of hearing my voice if they've been listening live chances are they're no longer listening to us live Hopefully you've been um, entertained by some of the music that Bob chose. Bob was very much into the 80s power ballads. Yeah, you're hearing it from the... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Nelson's asked if I turn the music down. I'm like, unfortunately, that's the, uh, the establishment we're in. We don't have that's control fine. over their that's music. Fine. But yeah, um, Bob wanted to... Uh, I'm sure Bob would love to have been here, but in his absence, uh, he made sure that if and when we celebrated him that I played almost exclusively power ballads <laughs> from the 80s. His uh, favorite was ACDC. I'm a big ACDC guy. Yeah? I'm a big... You know, it's funny. I didn't know Bob was an ACDC. We, didn't, we talked about a lot of things. But not uh, music, But huh? not music. We never really talked about music. Well, it's not like his repertoire went long and deep. Like, he was just... I mean, honestly... ACDC was like his number one, I believe. Well, his I'll, brother could probably um, I'll, I'll be honest in a way that I think Bob would appreciate. Mm -hmm. I feel like any child of the 80s is, I mean, let's just say intimidated, coming up to a product of the 90s and trying to talk music because you know you have nothing. You have, right. You have nothing. And, and I understand that intimidation, and uh, I respect it. Yeah. I respect it. Well, um I'm just glad we could come out and do this. I think it was a pretty good turnout. Seen some of Bob and heard from some of Bob's former students. Yeah. Seen and heard from Absolutely. some of Bob's uh, colleagues, friends, yeah. um, both new and old. And I don't mean old as an age, but old as an experience, some of whom were around Wilmington uh, when Bob got here, and, and some of them uh, just only recently got here. In yeah. the case of uh, one of our former students, Bree, who I think you interviewed earlier. I know. Uh, Full circle, huh? Yeah, She's she teaching was, uh, culinary here. Yeah, That's she was great. a student That's both great. of mine and Bob's at age 19. That's incredible. She told me That's she's incredible. in her fourth decade of life now teaching culinary art. That's, That's awesome. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, as we wrap up, and I, I don't know if... Uh, Thank I you. I, I hope we get uh, one or two more people to come up and, and share some memories. I know I shared some at the beginning. I know you have, but... Uh, I just want Bob's friends and family to know that for me, like, like I said earlier, um, people say, oh, man, if they were here, if they were here, and not even in a religious context. I know Bob is here. Bob is, is a big part of me, and he's a big part of every single person who came out here today. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, 
I was talking to my um, wife and my brother when my mom passed away. And uh, I reminded my brother and my wife that my mom didn't really die when she stopped breathing, that she lived on inside me and she lived on inside my children yeah. and inside my niece and nephew, you know, and I feel and in some kind of way, even though we weren't biologically related, even though we didn't share like familial DNA, Bob is a citizen of this earth. He's a citizen of this, these species, this species. Yeah. and uh, we probably shared a little bit of DNA somewhere down the line, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we definitely shared we a lot of experiences and a lot yeah. of stories, and uh, yeah, a lot of uh, regrets, a yeah. lot of fun times, and so, you know, in those ways, Bob is going to forever be inside me, yeah. and uh, I wouldn't be the person, certainly not the teacher I am without him. So. Yeah, well, the, the, the rest of the semester and the rest of this year, every year uh, until I stop teaching, is going to be uh, different. It's going to be, um, it's going to be sad, um, and it's it, it's not going to be nearly as fulfilling or as special because a good friend of mine is, is gone. But um, in that uh, in that spirit uh, that you were mentioning, uh, and because he was a history teacher, I don't mind imparting a little bit of knowledge uh, on Bob's final episode. Um, Abraham Lincoln believed that the only way you can achieve in immortality was through the lives that you touch while you're here. And he, 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 did, he was one time he was suicidal, and uh, his friends were afraid he was going to kill himself. And he was saying, "Well, you know, you don't have to worry about that because I haven't done anything worthy of being remembered." Um, oh wow! And Bob uh, did so many things worthy of being remembered. I know people who were touched by him will remember him and be inspired by his message forever. And so we, we can't talk to him, but in so many ways, he's, uh, he's still here with us. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. All well, right. Nelson, I'm going to uh, think about wrapping it up here. Uh, we are beyond the two-hour mark. We're closing in on two hours and a half, and it looks like the live stream closed at 2.02. Apparently, uh, Podbean <laughs> only gave us two hours worth of live streaming. That's Didn't right. even warm me or let me know, but That's okay. it's just as well. There were only four total participants. Uh, we did garner a new follower. Somebody out there in um, La La Land, in La La Land uh, <laughs> tuned in and All became right. a follower of our show. Great, great. But I'm glad that we were able to do this for those that wanted to tune in. And Thank I'm you even more happy it, we Jason. could do this Thank for those for that wanted to come by and share a final word or two thank you for, uh, setting for Bob. Us up. I'll definitely try to wrap this up package this up maybe cut some of the music out although not all of it and um, like we intended or like you intended put this together in a nice little package for Bob and his brother and any Good other man. member of the family that might want to um, want to have this as kind of a memento right a nice little bookend yeah. to Bob's life and Bob's career just hearing from maybe people that respected him that he respected the most share stories about what he meant to them and i know that he would be smiling and probably laughing, laughing <laughs> if he were here and telling us what we got wrong and making fun of us yeah all in love well nelson i'm gonna let us uh mingle these last couple of minutes all and, right uh, buddy I'm going to turn the power ballads from the 80s back on and Do let it. that Do it. Let, let it that out. take us out. Take us out. Little Doors, I believe. 
Sounds good. Or no. House of the Rising Sun. Oh, all right. Kidding. You cry.